Salome, 1900. Henry Osawa Tanner, Oil on Canvas. Perhaps the most impressive element in an already masterful display of Tanner's skill is the air of mystery he lends to this famous biblical scene. For anyone unfamiliar with the tale, Salome was the stepdaughter of Herod Antipas, and to celebrate his birthday, she performed a dance for her stepfather and his honored guests. To reward her performance, Herod granted Salome anything she wanted. Her demand? The head of John the Baptist. Bound by his promise, Herod had no choice but to do as Salome asked. Beyond those handful of consistent details, the story's texture and tone varies widely between interpretations. Some versions cast Salome as a naive young girl, and her wish for John the Baptist's death comes as an order from her mother. Others depict her as a passionate force, consumed first by desire, then later by vengeance, when John the Baptist rebuffs her advances. At first glance, Tanner's painting seems to lean towards the latter version of the story. He depicts Salome in a sheer garment, one that accentuates rather than hides her nakedness. Her hair hangs loose about her shoulders, and she seems to creep out of the darkness, as if going to or returning from a midnight rendezvous. Yet, despite all this, the scene is rife with ambiguity, thanks largely to the shadow in which Tanner cloaks Salome's face. In fact, that shadow is as much the focus of the painting as Salome herself. Annabelle Godfrey both adored and was infuriated by the enigma at the heart of this piece, and had this to say about Salome. Her body language is simply fascinating. There is perhaps a sensuality there, or maybe timidness. It's impossible to say one way or the other, as one cannot clearly read the expression on her face. Believe me, I've spent many an hour getting a good, close look at it. Too close, or so my team of conservators tells me. Do you know they threatened to put a glass case over it if I couldn't keep my distance? But you see it, don't you? Some kind of expression on her face, just visible through the dark. But what it might signify eludes me. The only thing I can say with anything resembling certainty is that she seems to be looking at the tan figure in the lower left corner, and the small but unmistakable streak of red within it. Is her look one of fear? Curiosity? Lust? Remorse for what she's done? Perhaps it's all of those things. If so, no wonder her expression is hidden by shadow. That many feelings cobbled together at once? It's something indecipherable. To her, and to us, not from lack of trying on my part, mind you. What thoughts visit her in that darkness, as she presumably looks upon the violent consequence of her choice? What darkness visited her, to inspire such a demand? Perhaps that darkness took hold of her, and she either could not, or did not, resist it. But then, who are we to speculate? So little of her is known to us. Fragments of fragments passed down through centuries. And who can say? Darkness or no? Perhaps she had her reasons. To 
to all lovers of the dramatic arts. The Godfrey Estate is pleased to announce that, after its unexpected hiatus, our summer series, Theater Under the Stars, will return this year. For any concerned, the actor who portrayed Bottom in the most recent season's production of A Midsummer Night's Dream has at last reverted back to his human shape. Yes, he actually turned into a donkey during a performance, but estate staff say that he is in very good spirits now that he's returned to his accustomed form. And as a precaution against future unpleasantness of this kind, the estate will now forego the programming of any plays involving magic. For any newcomers unfamiliar with the series, it typically features two plays running in repertory for the duration of the summer months. Programming usually consists of a pair of comedies, and past seasons have featured famous works such as William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing, Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest, and Martin McDonough's The Pillow Man. But what, you ask, sets this programming apart from other outdoor summer stock theater? We're glad you asked. In addition to rotating the plays on view, the performances also switch between traditional proscenium staging and an immersive experience that travels across the grounds. Unfortunately, the schedule of which performances are which aren't available to the public, nor are they available to the estate staff. As the actors have put it, an unknown force takes hold of them on the nights of these immersive experiences. This force demands that they abandon the limits of the stage and instead fully inhabit their characters. Refusal of this demand can have dangerous consequences, as seen in the transformation of the actor playing Bottom. But such is the thrill of live theater. Just about anything can happen. Magic Lantern and Painted Glass Slides, circa 1860s. Artist unknown, various materials. As a note, please remember to mind your step in here. The room is dark to better view the projections on the wall. And yes, we know, dark corners and all that. But this room is purposefully kept in darkness, so don't worry. To viewers accustomed to the technical wonders of modern day film and television, this device might seem quaint. Its projected designs, simple. A novelty of a bygone era and little else. But creations such as this, with their tricks of light and imagery, paved the way for the entire medium of film. This magic lantern is one of the few Godfrey family heirlooms on public display here at the estate. Since her youth, Annabelle Godfrey adored the brilliance and deceptive complexity of both the machine itself and the designs painted onto its removable glass slides. It is the images on these slides that the machine is currently projecting onto the wall before you. Consider the first image, a multicolored geometric design, one that rotates and shifts around and around, like a stained glass window come to life, which is not terribly far from the truth. This effect is achieved by shining the machine's light source through two glass slides at once, and rotating the slides in opposite directions. The descriptive word coming to your mind may be kaleidoscopic, though technically that references a different device altogether. In fact, this image in motion is the hallmark of a chromatrope, a specific type of magic lantern. By now, you should be seeing the next set of slides. Fun fact, 
This device's ability to rotate between images without unloading the slides was cutting edge at the time, and a point of pride for Annabelle's grandmother, who initially acquired the machine. The changes in this pair of rotating slides are more subtle than the first, but no less impressive. This image shows the cycle of the sun and moon's daily rise and fall. One of the slides provides the dark landscape, complete with a thick line of distant trees, and the second slide alternates between the bright blue of a sunny sky and the star-speckled canvas of night, with a crescent moon nestled amongst it all. If you were to keep time by this imagined clock, days would be gone in a matter of moments. And by now, you should be seeing the third optical illusion. This one is most curious. Not for its design, though that is impressive. As you see, the moving image shows a figure climbing up a circular passage. No, the curiosity stems from the fact that that isn't what is on the third set of glass slides. According to Annabelle's recollection, it should depict a tranquil meadow with a small well at its center. Various woodland creatures should be passing through the scene as the slides rotate. The initial acquisition records of this piece's entry into the public galleries confirm this account. But what was once the third set of painstakingly crafted slides is now unrecognizable. Something melted the paint and warped the glass, though neither the machine nor the other slides suffered any damage. In fact, when modern replicas were created to test for a malfunction in that third slot, these new slides met the same fate. And all the while, this same projected figure climbed up those walls through cracked glass and a wholly different painted image. Eventually, the estate stopped trying to work out the mystery. They also stopped putting other replacement slides into that third slot, for all met the same fate. That's right, there is nothing in that slot now. The only thing you should be seeing is a circle of bright light on the wall. Instead, you see that figure climbing in jerking motions up that circular wall, as if out of the depths of a well, toward you. You may notice that the figure seems closer now than it did before. You see, that's why the magic lantern and its display are behind a reinforced glass box. To the best of our knowledge, this is merely precautionary. No one's actually witnessed the figure crawling out of the projected image. At least, not yet. Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knudsen, with sound design and editing by James Ferrero. It was produced on unceded Tongva, Chumash, and Keech territory. Enjoying your trip to the estate? Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And consider telling a friend about us. Or two. Or three. Or everyone you know. To keep up with The Godfrey, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Godfrey Guide. Or visit our website, thegodfreyaudioguide.com. For Godfrey merchandise, visit our online store, thegodfreyaudioguide.threadless.com. 
And finally, if you're interested in becoming a sustaining member of the show, make sure to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Godfrey Audio Guide. In addition to our various membership tiers, you'll also find full episode transcripts available as public posts for any who wish to read them. Until next time, friends, see you back at the museum.